Hello and welcome to another episode of the Burt's Books podcast. It is just me on my own today for this special episode. Michael is having a little day off, but don't worry, you won't have to listen to me waffle on all by myself because I have a special guest, Claire Whitfield, author of People of Abandoned Character and her latest novel, The Gone and the Forgotten, which is out today as you listen to this for the first time, June the 9th. Uh, is joining me to talk to me about her books and about her writing and about the books that she reads. So all sorts of fun, booky chat. All of it is going to come up on the other side of this music. My guest on the Burt's Books podcast this week is Claire Whitfield, the author of People of Abandoned Character, and her latest novel, The Gone and the Forgotten, is out at the beginning of June, June the 9th, I think. Uh, So welcome, Claire. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. I just got back from Shetland, actually, after a holiday, which is the setting for The Gone and the Forgotten. So yeah, it's all coming around a bit fast. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Are, are you uh, looking forward to this? Is book two, isn't it? So yes, yeah, that's how I book two. How are you feeling about it? Um, pretty much the same as I felt for the first book, which is utterly petrified and exposed, naked, vulnerable, a bit like an uncooked prawn. Do you know what I mean? It's like, but I've spoken to lots of other authors much more successful much more established than myself and they just say oh no that's completely normal and that will never change (laughs) so that's reassuring that's good to know (laughs) I can steal myself yeah yeah Uh, so for anyone who hasn't yet stumbled upon the gone and the forgotten why don't you tell us a little bit about what it's about and also whilst you're at it tell us a bit about who you are as well okay um so the gone and the forgotten So it's set in 1993 and we start in Croydon um, with a 16-year-old girl called Prue who um, lives with her mum and basically she comes from a very sort of matriarchal family. She's got a grandmother, a mother and an, an older aunt and she's never known who her father is and it's kind of like this family taboo. There's certain things in that family that are just off topic and you can't speak about them. Then after a couple of um, family tragedies, um, she is to spend the summer with her older aunt, who who she's previously been quite close to, on a remote island off, it's fictional, uh, the fictional Isle of Noost, which is off the mainland of Shetland. Um, And when she's there, she's determined to sort of reignite her former closeness with her aunt. Um, But her aunt's husband, who is, the reason she moved there and someone she doesn't really know very well and she's quite wary of she finds out that he was the only suspect in the disappearance of a local girl 20 years before so there's all this mystery surrounding her lots of secrets and lies and 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 really it's a story about how important is the truth and how does it affect our behavior um but I won't go on about it you know that's the kind of gist of it um it's set in Shetland obviously so it's another really strong setting um and there's all sorts of questionable characters that are quite confusing um on the subject of myself crikey uh what to say I am 43 
I uh, work for a housing association in um, really boring stuff. I do like governance and IT integration. So it's like, you know, I will bring the house down at a party. Um, <laughs> just don't ask me about my job. Um, I live in a tiny village uh, called Bursledon. Like it's almost like halfway between Southampton and Portsmouth. And it's claim to fame is where, um, what was it called? Um, Howard's End? Howard's Way? It's Howard's Way. There was a former series and that was its claim to fame. It was filmed around here, basically. So it's right on the water. Um, I'm surrounded by nature and the water, but it's quite built up. I'm married. I've got a 17 year old daughter who is an oppressive tyrant. Um, and I would say my best friend is a black Labrador. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> so uh, as a lot of me, I I'm, I'm want to ask you, I'm going to start with uh, how you write these books whilst having a full time job. Is it a full time job? Yeah, full time job. How do you fit it all in? I don't actually know. I am like constantly a woman on the cusp of a breakdown is the reality of it. I just kind of start spinning these plates and keep it kind of going it's kind of like my version of running I tried to be a runner once I'm a terrible runner and and really I just lean forward and let the gravity take me um I hope one day I can sort of bring it sort of maybe even go part-time and do a bit more of spend my time writing because I really love historical fiction I really love research and 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 that's the stuff that takes the real time um, but I ha basically have no life. I'm a hermit. I go out like about six times a year when people force me to um, put some makeup on and sort of, you know, try and un un like open up my eyes and get some sunlight. But yeah, I you have to make a lot of sacrifices is the honest truth. Yeah I, yeah, I don't go out a lot. I don't do anything else other than write, read books when I can and work. It's interesting that you said that about uh, the historical fiction, because that was going to be one of my questions. Obviously, your first novel, People of Abandoned Character, which I absolutely loved, and I we're hand-selling that you. one in the shop. It's, it's, it's quite oh. a striking cover, and people are always really sort of um, taken by it. Uh, that was set at, um, at the end of the 19th century, uh, or the end of the... Yeah, end of the 19th century. And it's all based around Jack the Ripper or potentially Jack mm -hmm. the Ripper. And uh, and then this one is, like you say, 1990. So it's still, I guess it's still historical, but it feels a bit more contemporary. Yeah, what, yeah. What made you choose that as a setting like 100 years later? Um, I think it's because um, I wanted to... I never set out to be a historical fiction writer. I want to write stories and I want to write stories with strong settings. And as it happens, I really love researching. So I would never want to pitch myself and say, I only want to write about Victorian era or any kind of particular part of history. What I would say is I, I was writing about a 16 year old girl and I was 16 in 1993 and I think it's a very precious age and I wanted to be able to relate to the emotional maturity of Prue so it was very I wanted to make sure because it is quite there's some quite dark themes and delicate issues at play in the book I wanted to make sure I was 
using authentic experience, especially in the emotional terrain from being a 16 year old at that time from, you know, my, my peers and my wider group. So I suppose for me, it was important to sort of keep it accurate. So I think that's why I thought it would be safer for me to do that. I, I don't think my daughter's experience being 17 in, you know, um, this year is going to be a very different experience to what it was back then. Although I'm sure some of the themes are still active, but also it was about mobile phones, technology, the importance of the internet and, and stuff like that, because the 90s was just before that really exploded. And also there are themes of sex, sex and sexualization and, and sexual identity and, you know, what, you're, what part you're meant to play uh, uh, and how to be an adult. And I think it was different in the 90s without all that sexualized sort of content of social media and stuff you know so I thought it was good to remain faithful to the reality of the situation and I guess uh it makes sense because uh, Prue's quite isolated um as a character uh I mean even when we meet her she's kind of got this one friend and uh her mum but she's in hospital and that and that's kind of all we know of her life in Croydon and then she goes off to this island and again, she's sort of really isolated there as well. So I guess the technology just wouldn't have, wouldn't have helped. It, you know, if she'd, had, she'd been able to WhatsApp everybody, it wouldn't have felt quite exactly. the same. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And like, it, uh, you do still get teenagers now that are extremely isolated, but from physical, tangible relationships, you know, people you can actually see and touch, but they tend to sort of create these online lives for themselves, don't they? And have these whole sort of second lives like on a, on a virtual platform. So that wouldn't be accurate to do that now. I think Prue, if she was around now, would be 100% all over the internet and, you know, involved in all this sort of probably manga stuff and like they are. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Did, did you find that, I mean, you mentioned your daughter and it probably being some of it similar. Did, did she... I mean, she must have been 16 whilst you were writing this. Did you find yourself talking to her and, and sharing her, your experiences with her? And, and did that go into the writing at all? I think it has to a little bit. You know, you have to talk about your experiences. But I definitely, it wasn't just me. It was definitely trying to pull, like, the conversations with friends that you have under the radar you know you know like the, I'd, I'd equate it to when you're my age it's the conversations you might have with other women after a bottle of Pinot Grigio you know take the veneer off let's talk about the truth you know and I think some of her experiences are definitely more like that it might not be what you say to your wide group of friends but when you've got a close friend you might be more honest about things and how you feel about things it's that you know that pressure of having a public veneer and then what you really think and the gap between you know thinking why aren't I this way I'm kind of acting it almost does that make sense yeah no that does make sense yeah definitely um you you've you've already said that this is set on an island off the mainland of Shetland which I guess is already 
to some of, you know, to people who've never been, Shetland seems like this massive isolated place million miles away. So then to go to a slightly even more isolated off the off of yeah. there, what what made you choose that sort of setting? It, had you been there before and just sort of got inspired or did you think, no, this no. is this is it? So basically after Whitechapel being a setting for my first book, it's a strong setting. Uh, and when I set out to write people of abandoned character I was obsessed with Whitechapel and the surrounding and the architecture because I'm quite geeky and nerdy and all that stuff and it was almost like an extra character in the book and I thought for me that is how I experienced the world through a quite sensory sort of way and I was like I need another strong setting so I remember speaking to my husband so it's his fault and he suggested Shetland because he'd been there like he's been there like seven or eight times because he loves um, wildlife photography and that sort of thing. Weird holidays he goes on, which is fine. So I was like, yeah, that sounds really good because it is it is got such a stark atmosphere to it. Like the landscape is quite it can look bleak in one second and then it can look like the Maldives in another when the sun shines. It's a very strange place, very unique landscape. So I was like, that's for me. And then COVID hit. So I couldn't get there till quite late. Um, so yeah, that's why I wanted to choose Shetland. And I thought, you know what? It is an interesting place. It is isolated. And it's, it's as we were in lockdown, I wrote most of this in lockdown and I wanted to play with those feelings of isolation because I think we all went from feeling like we were part of something to suddenly being extremely isolated and not really knowing how to cope with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so you have managed to make it up there now. Yeah, I've been there twice now. So, yeah, and so it's. I wanted to make sure it was real because it's stupid, but you know, you have to go there and sniff the air and feel what it's like and feel the atmosphere to be able to write about it. I couldn't do it without ever like not going there. That was yeah out of the question. So, yes, thankfully I did get there. <laughs> and did it change anything significantly? In because you said you were quite far in. But did it like when you were there, did it just go, actually, no, this isn't going to work. I'm going to have to completely rework this bit because I've just been inspired by what I'm seeing now. Or did actually it kind of fit with what you were already doing? I was so <clears throat> relieved because I'd done a lot of technical research. And I wasn't wrong, but it was missing this essence of feeling. And it was so good to be able to go there and think, thank God, I'm, you know, I'm not completely barking up the wrong tree, but to go there and actually see the plants themselves that were able to grow and see things and feel the atmosphere. It was, it definitely helped me. It definitely helped me spur me on and, and keep going with it. Yeah, definitely. It really helped. As much as this, so with people of abandoned character, it was very much sort of a historical thriller, and it was quite um, quite gothic in in a sense. And this does yeah. have that gothic feel to it, but also it feels a little bit more like it's a coming of age novel and perhaps less of a thriller. There's still that underlying tension all the way through, but this is more of a about a girl coming into adulthood. Was that part of what you wanted to write? Um, yeah, and I think it was... I think it, it was, 
because I don't think we've got a great culture of honesty about growing up and having I think it's better now don't get me wrong I think we're much more accepting of ourselves and people are much more open but I, I definitely don't think we have a culture of honesty about what people are feeling and how you're meant to grow up and the things you're meant to know suddenly you know they don't they sort of teach you how to eat in the restaurant how to walk and talk and go to school and then you sort of like there's this chunk of life where you're sort of uh, off your pop and sort of no one wants to talk about it and you need to sort of work your own way out and, and I think there's a lot of mystery to that age and we don't we don't talk about it enough or if we do we talk about it in one format as if it's one size fits all and you know we're all very different um I just wanted to be able to explore something and it also came up at a time when there was a lot of stuff going on about things like me too and things like that and what I heard a lot of was people couldn't understand how things could happen or how people could get themselves into compromising situations and I wanted to explore a lot of the stories and similar things that I'd seen from my friends and all I think boys and girls you're not taught how to deal with those things no one wants to know does that make sense and I wanted to demonstrate how it can happen and I think you how do that yeah I, I think you do that really well Prue is you're sort of going along with her and every step of the way you can you're totally yeah I can see why you've made that decision I can see why you said this I can see why you've done that but oh my god the situations you've ended up in are you know not yeah, great yeah. <laughs> um there's one character I, I need to talk about who is who is Ronnie who is um the grandmother of Prue's uncle and yes I think for me she was perhaps the most vivid character of all of them and uh I was talking to a colleague of mine and I was saying actually if, if this ever gets uh, put onto screen, TV, film, whatever, <laughs> I can see Sheila Hancock playing this character. Oh, okay. Just this kind of sort of almost like it's a hippie kind of great sort of thing. Was, was she fun to write? Yeah, really good fun. Really good fun. And I love playing with older ladies because... I mean, I'm like, I'm sure you as well have known some formidable older ladies and you, you don't see them depicted in a lot of things. It's like quite often they tend to be these sort of either nice old ladies or sort of flat 2D characters or the victim of something. You don't ever see these sort of formidable characters as older ladies. And I love playing with that. Um, and yeah, you're right. Are you still, Sheila Hancock would be a good one. Um, but I sit there and think, right, who... Who could play that? Because, you know, you, they always say like there's not that many meaty roles and stuff for older women. And I just thought I really wanted to make a really meaty, complex character. Oh, you know? definitely so, have. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I wanted to make her because you like her and then you're like, oh, hopefully it's like you never really know where you are. You want to warm to her. But yeah. Yeah, and I think formidable is definitely the word, and that's probably what made me think of Sheila Hancock because she's definitely one of those sort of formidable yeah, type yeah. of older ladies as well. Um, okay, so we've talked about uh, people of abandoned character. We've talked about the gone and the forgotten. 
what else have you been reading recently um, that uh, you want to share with us? Is there something that has that you've enjoyed that, that you think is something that people should read? So the last book I read in between working full time and trying to write. So I am my TBR pile is like the worst. It's probably you can probably see it from space. And I, every time I look at it, I, I have like palpitations and guilt and yeah. So, but the last book I read was actually The Marsh House by Zoe Somerville, who's also a stable mate at my publisher. So I was lucky enough to get approved. And um, I really loved the character of Rosemary. Um, I don't want to, I've got to be careful what I say because I don't want to spoil anything. But the way she was just so wild and free and sort of like this child of nature. And I really loved the detail about Norfolk and the marshes and life there um, and then the local stories and the sort of almost like don't want to call it pagan but you know like the folklore and stuff all that stuff I, I really enjoy and also the sort of historical references to what was going on at the time in in especially where she mm. hints back to sort of the, the political setting which I always find fascinating to do with a lot of books like um stories like the black shirts what was going on in the UK at the time so I really enjoyed that yeah and and you know she's a really great writer and the way she puts the sentence together often really irritates me because I just think <laughs> you know you get envy sentence envy and but yeah I, I really enjoyed it and I thought there was definitely parallels with gone and have forgotten weirdly sure. yeah but <laughs> I guess it's sort of you know like post lockdown fatigue or symptoms that had sort of eked their way through in our novels but they're very different books so very different yeah. books but like you said I mean there is that sense of isolation um with the two characters because again it's it's uh that one's a split timeline and you get the yeah. um you get the mum and the daughter in sort of um, 60s um, Britain and they are just in this marsh house at Christmas. They can't get anywhere. And it has that same kind of um, quite a vivid setting in the same way that you can see the island that, um, that Prue ends up on. You can see it, you can feel it, you can feel the weather uh, as you're reading yeah. it. And that's the same in the marsh house as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really loved that one. Um, I, I spoke to Zoe about it. Um, we did a podcast when it first came out back in March as well. And um, yeah, I, 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 when I saw that you'd read that, I was like, yes, great, because I really enjoyed that one <laughs> as well. Yeah, it was a good book. Yeah. Uh, so what are you now working on? So now out of, uh, hopefully, lockdowns and all of that stuff, um, book free, is it on the way? Yes. I've just finished chapter 10. Um, so I need to do chapter start chapter 11 after this um, so yeah oh, what can I tell you see I always like my caveat is you can't shoot me if it's completely different by the time it comes so. out because <laughs> that's it's like I have to say to my agent can you delete that because I completely changed it <laughs> and, but you know like such is life so it's at the moment it's set I based it this is quite risky I think when I first moved out I'm from like greater London like near Croydon Sutton actually you know the the glitz the glamour and yeah. so I moved <laughs> down 
to Southampton originally to Hedge End like 17 years ago. And it was a real culture shock. So I've decided in case there is another lockdown and I can't get anywhere, I've set it or based setting on Hedge End. But it's it's a split story, a split timeline like um, the Marsh House and it's between 1950s UK post-war and 1988, you know, like peak 80s glitz, glamour, commercialism. So there probably will be a bit more sort of the political landscape in the background, how the two sort of areas measure up, but it's following the story of, or the viewpoint it's told. There is another body found um, of a young woman who is very well known to lots of people for various reasons in the local area, but it's complete mystery. Obviously, it's a lovely village. It's one of the up and coming middle class areas and people are like devastated this has happened. It's very yummy mummiesville. And we experience the investigation through the eyes of Mousy Mim, who is a people pleaser. She is the world's worst people pleaser. And it flashes back to her childhood in post-war 50s, which might sort of, she's never told anyone, it's this, this dark background she has. Um, but yeah, it's the investigation and there's quite a lot of dirty laundry that comes out and all the mums sort of gossip and that sort of school gate bitchiness, dare I say, yeah, of okay. what goes on. So I'm having quite a lot of fun with it because having a 17 year old, I'm literally going through all the gossip we ever heard or I can get from other mothers and I am going to throw it all in there and see what <laughs> sticks. So... I don't know if I'll ever be able to go to Hedge End again. No. But... <laughs> How are you finding it? Uh, so this is the first one of yours that's uh, a split timeline. Yeah, I suppose it will be. Um, yeah, that's fine. I love researching. Obviously, it's just the time. Um, it's primarily 1988. It will be the flashback. So okay. that kind of structure works more similarly to People of Abandoned Character, of course. where she flashes back to her childhood um so it's yeah that's that's fine it's quite fun um it's just actually editing the stuff out because there's so much cool stuff to go on about so I've been researching like newspapers and magazines about that mention things like housewives or wives and the stuff that gets printed or used to be printed it's like hilarious but at times quite frightening yeah <laughs> I bet <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I'm having a great time going through all that and obviously you know all the stuff I'm just trying to work it in so yeah I'm enjoying it a lot at the moment and you say you've done chapter 10 on to 11 how how much is that is that halfway through the book are we a quarter or are we uh well we're at about 40,000 words of the first draft so I'd say 40 percent but yeah. then knowing me <laughs> someone called me they were like oh you're like Jeffrey Archer you'll rewrite it about eight times and that probably will be the case I, I yeah I try and get first drafts are horrible for me um I just go through this sort of period of self-hatred and thinking I'm not good enough so it's just like I try and force myself to just get the structure down um and then go through and start really having fun I love rewriting I love editing I love you know making the dialogue sparkle whereas when you first write dialogue for me it's always a bit like oh I'm rubbish stick to the day job do you know what I mean it's like yeah. you've got to go back and 
fall in love with the characters and create them and make them more vivid. So, yeah, it has a lot of long way to go. It's like putting up a Christmas tree. First of all, you put up the tree and it all just looks a bit bare and but then yeah. you go back and properly decorate it and make it work. Yeah, I get yeah, that. Exactly. Um, so when, how long will it be before that's finished? Because what was it? Was it two years between book one and book two? Yeah, about that. Um, I don't know. I'm scared to say in case the sort of God of book deadlines <laughs> comes down and sort of pushes me over. Um, do you have a deadline? A first draft, uh, well, sort of. I'm aiming for September for the first draft, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Wonderful. Well, well in the meantime, we have got uh, The Gone and the Forgotten to read, and yes. uh, we can all get on with that whilst we're waiting for, for the next one. Um, so, yes, uh, please do. <laughs> Claire, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been no, a thank you for putting up with me and just listening to my ramblings. Um, honestly, it's a privilege, so I really appreciate it. That was the lovely Claire Whitfield and her latest novel, The Gone and the Forgotten, is available to order right now at birthbooks.co.uk. If you have already read it, or maybe you have read People of Abandoned Character, Claire's first novel, please do get in touch and let us know what you think. You can email me, Bert, at birthbooks.co.uk, or find me on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram as at birthbooks. That is it for today. Uh, I will be back very, very soon with Michael talking about all the books that we've been reading this week. Um, whilst you're waiting for that, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. That way you will never miss an episode. I will speak to you very, very soon. Keep reading. <laughs>